0: I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, Thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. I'm Pastor Dustin. I am your campus pastor in Tooele. And uh, how many of you know where Tooele is? All right, most of us. We're on the other side of the mountain, and it is spelled like Tule, but we pronounce it as Tooele. So uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, it's been about two years since I've been here in West Valley on a Sunday morning. And uh, I've just been so excited to see so many of my friends from the past. And, and uh, many of you keep in touch with me on Facebook or, or whatever. And, and I know many of you are praying for us as we lead the campus out in Tooele. It was about two years ago that a little somebody got church approached our church and said, um, if things don't change soon, we're going to have to close the doors to this church. Is there any way that we can partner with you? And uh, our, our, our staff, our leadership team, we prayed about it. We met with their board. Our board uh, talked with them, talked it over. And uh, we took a step of faith to adopt this congregation out in Tooele. And uh, I, I eagerly volunteered to jump over there and lead it because I felt God stirring myself and my wife, my family to do that. And so uh, we jumped over there. We took on a little congregation of Uh, a handful of people. And just this last Sunday, we celebrated our largest attendance to date over there. We had 113 people, which is amazing. And we baptized about five individuals that morning. And so you go from a handful of people to well over 100. It's like revival, you know. And so uh, it's it's been a lot of fun seeing God breathe life into this little congregation, and uh, I want to thank all of you for uh, just this, just your heart and the, the heart of this church to see, uh, you know, a whole another people group on the other side of the mountain reached uh, for the cause of Christ. And so uh, it's been exciting. It's been an exciting journey, and it's good to be back here. This is this is where I've been for the past thirteen years here at Life Church, and so it's good to be back with you this morning. I want to let you know that um, Life Church has also uh, sent a large sum of, of money to a Convoy of Hope for Hurricane Relief over in the Carolinas, and uh, hopefully you're praying for them and, and uh, you know, the people in the path of that storm, but uh, it's because of your faithfulness, your tithes, and your offerings that we're able to respond when there's a disaster like that, and so uh, we praise God for that, and uh, we're going to continue to pray for, for them, and as well as the fires here at home that are, that are kind of wreaking havoc. I also want to give you a greeting uh, from Pastor Rich, our our new pastor who's going to be here next week to share with you God's Word, and they are just so excited to get out here, and they are in the process of selling their home and transitioning from their church to this church, and And so, uh, would you help pray that that house sells? Their market in Chicago is not like our market here, where it's like on for two hours and then somebody buys it. Over there, it's a little harder. So we need to pray that God answers prayer and uh, that he sells that home quickly. I want to start out this morning by giving you a little test, all right? I'm going to show you something. I want you to think about the first thing you see. Are you ready? Nobody? Nobody's ready? No, It's not a hard test, okay? It's easier than multiple choice. Okay, here we go. What do you see? Four. That's awesome. How many you didn't see a four? You saw a piece of tile? Because it's on a piece of tile. This morning, I want to talk to you about focus. Now, the four is easy to see because it kind of pops out at you, right? It's a number. Um, it's in black. It's on a piece of tile. That's a piece of tile from my house that... Uh, I haven't installed yet, which uh, my wife, thankful, thankfully, she's patient with me. By the way, I ruined that piece of tile, so we'll have to buy another piece. So, But focus is a funny thing. It's easy to focus on the wrong things at times, and sometimes it's easy to focus on the right things. But nonetheless, it's important for us all to step back and focus on what we should be focused. How many wear glasses out there? Anybody? Okay. You're wearing them right now? Anybody, closet glass wearers, you're wearing contacts right now? You're ashamed. You're ashamed to join us, four eyes, four eyed people. It's okay. We forgive you. You're still welcome back. You know, I have really bad astigmatism. I don't know if anybody else has astigmatism, but I take my glasses off and I can see, I can see still, I can see people. I just can't see your faces. It's just. You're all blurred out, and then I put my glasses on, I can see you perfectly fine. Uh, You know, it's the same with signs. If a sign's far away, I can't see or read it unless I have my glasses on. And so my glasses definitely help me to focus. This morning, I want to talk about focusing on the big picture. You You know, what exactly are we trying to accomplish as a church? What does our goal need to be? What does it need to look like? I want to tell you a story. One day, a traveler was walking along a lane, and he came across a quarry where there were uh, three stone workers working in a quarry. And he was kind of wondering what they were doing. You know, my wife and I do this. We'll be driving around. There'll be a big construction project going on, and she'll nudge me, and she'll say, what are they doing over there, honey? You know, and I've just gotten to the point where I just make stuff up. I'm like, well... I talked to the governor and I told him, you know, this highway really needs fixed, and so now they're doing it. Um, yeah. And I'll do that to her. I'll be like, "What are they doing?" And she'll do it right back to me. She'll be like, "Well, when you know, I told this company they needed to build a building here." And so this traveler comes across. He's wondering what they're doing, and he goes up to the first person and and the first stone cutter, and he says, "You know, what are you doing?" And the stone cutter looks up at him. He's a little bit annoyed, and he says, "Well, I'm cutting a stone." Duh. <laughs> Isn't it very obvious what I'm doing? But a little irritated. So he says, okay, well, I'll try the next guy. He goes to the next guy. So what are you doing here? The next guy, not as cranky, but he looks up and he says, you know, I'm, I'm measuring and cutting these stones precisely so that they'll fit in the wall exactly where they need to fit. So he gets a little more information, but he's like, well, that's not exactly what I'm I'm looking for So he goes to the third stone cutter and he asks him, what are you doing here? And the third stone cutter replies, I, and he looks up, he's smiling, he's happy, he goes, I get to build a cathedral. I get to build a cathedral. If you have your notes today, you can break those out and I want to give you a few things. See, when you understand, or better yet, when you're focused on the what, you're doing, the why makes sense. When you're focused on the what, the why makes sense. See, so many times we do things because they have become repetitive or, or it's something that we're just used to doing. It's, it's become part of our nature. And we kind of lose focus of the purpose of, of, of some of the things that we do. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of this Uh, moment that I had with my mom. Now, I love to eat food, so Thanksgiving naturally is one of my favorite holidays ever because there's an abundance of delicious food, and one thing that my mom makes every year, and it feels like I don't ever get to eat enough of it because there's so many other choices, um, she makes these homemade noodles and chicken. It's like chicken and dumplings, meats, uh, chicken noodle soup, uh, it, it's thick. It's meaty. It's delicious. The noodles are, are, are giant. I'm making you hungry right now. Even describing it to you, it's savory. It, it's wonderful. And every year, she's had the same process to making these noodles. She makes the dough. She makes a ton, by the way, a ton of dough. And then she gets the table all floured up. She rolls out the dough and makes. I mean, it covers the entire table. Huge. And then she'll go get a butter knife and she'll cut out the noodles, you know, by hand and then, you know, let them dry, then cook them up and and make the dish. But the process always takes a long time. It takes all day. You know it's it's Thanksgiving when you can't uh, have anything on the table for the whole day because it's being utilized for noodles. And then it hits me one day. I look at my mom and I said, "Why, why do you cut all those by hand? Why don't you just use a pizza cutter? She looks at me, probably a little irritated for just a minute. And she goes, well, because I never thought of that. (laughs) I never thought of that. See, she was so focused on the process of the noodles that she never thought about a better way to get the end result. The end result is the whole point of making the noodles, isn't it? To make them good, to make them delicious, And all of a sudden, I introduced a new idea of maybe this will save some time and some energy, and sure enough, it did. It was an aha moment for my mom, and uh, it's funny how when we can take a step back and focus on the right things, we can clear some things up in our lives that aren't as important, especially in regards to church. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Have you ever thought about that? Now, I'm sure you would all give me a good answer. There's some good answers out there. You're here to worship. You're here to hear, hear the Word of God. Um, you're here to fellowship. Um, maybe you're here because you feel like you have to be here. You, maybe you want to get things right with God. Maybe somebody invited you. It's your first time. Those are all good answers, and, and, and I'm not knocking any of those but so often we lose sight of the what we're doing here that we don't understand why we're here. Because if our purpose is to be the church, and I'm not not talking the building, but you as individuals, to be the church, then we have to understand why we function the way we function. See, it's very easy for us to get into the mode of, of simply just bri- building bricks. You know, we go to church and, and because that's what we do. And we lose sight of this beautiful cathedral that we're trying to build here in our little slice of heaven in West Valley. We lose sight of the overall picture of the church, how we're su- supposed to function, why we're supposed to function the way we're supposed to. I think it's important for us this morning to focus, to, to, to refocus the way we approach and look at church. What the overall goal and point is. Hebrews chapter 10 says this in verse 24 And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, not you. But some, right, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So right here, we get a quick little snapshot of your functionality, where you're at, sitting in your seat right now, is you are called to encourage each other in love and good deeds. So turn to somebody and say, let me encourage you this morning. Let me encourage you this morning. All right, we're starting the process. Because whether you like it or not, you have a role in this church. You might be the shyest person in this room. You might be the most introverted person in this room. But you have a role in the body of Christ. And right here, Hebrews says, guess what, nobody gets out of this one. Your role is to spur each other on in love and in good deeds. And make sure you prioritize meeting together and don't give up on doing that like some are, are, are capable of doing. It's real easy to give up on things these days. My son's playing football right now, flag football. Mama wouldn't let him play real football. I'm going to get in trouble for that later. But um, So pray for me. I'll probably say a few things I'll get in trouble for today. So if I'm not with you next week, you'll know why. He's playing football right now, and, uh, you know, his team started out, it was, it was, it was kind of shorthanded, and so they, they reached out and said, is there anybody else that wants to play? And so they found three more kids, and, and my son was one of them, and so we come together, we build this team, and it's a team of 10 kids, and with flag football, it's five on five, but you have 10, right? And so it's a good number. Well, well, since they've started the season, the team is down to seven kids already, because they've given up on, on, on the team. And so easy, you know, how easy is it for us to give up? You know, when things maybe don't feel right at church, or, or we're not getting along with people, or, or, you know, maybe we're just, we feel spiritually dry, so we're just not going to go today. It's so easy for us to do that. Yet Hebrews reminds us, don't give up like some are in the habit of doing. Your role here is important. See, we're not here to just sing a few songs, to say a prayer. Uh, we're supposed to be committed to encouraging each other towards love and good deeds. If you have your notes, I want you to write a few notes down this morning, but uh, part of the role of the individual here at church is helping us build this cathedral. This isn't a cathedral. I'm, not, I'm just using that as a loose reference. But the overall vision of what the church should look like. And that's part of your role. The first thing I want you to write down building a church community takes seeing and dreaming about what this church could be. Seeing and dreaming about what this church could be. See, it's not just up to a few individuals to, to dream about what this church could look like or should look like, it involves everybody, it's, it's, it's group participation. We are the church. Do we have leaders and pastors? Absolutely. And, and and their role is to lead and pastor. But as an individual, your your role as the church is is vital too. It's time for you to start dreaming with us about what this church could be. You know, this year with life groups, we're launching it a little bit different. You know, we've always kind of done home groups the same for several years, and it's not that they haven't been effective, they've been effective. But rethinking, you know, taking a step back, refocusing, what is the purpose and the goal of a life group? To do life together. To do life together more than just a Sunday. To get to know people on, you know, better than just surface. You know, how many times do we come to church and say hi to the same people and have no idea what their names are? You know who you are. I'm guilty too, so don't worry. But that's where life groups come in. To have an authentic relationship with people, getting to know them outside of church. You know, this, this past year, uh, doing our life group, we, we did a life group at our home, and we, we kind of ended up being like the young married kid home. So our home was constantly trashed, every Sunday night, and kids screaming and playing, and they love it. I think the kids have more fun than the parents do, really, to tell you the truth. But we have fun, too. But just the idea that, you know, meeting together and the importance of that, you know, we get to see people's um, issues. We get to see their joys, their victories, And so when we look at what this church could be, you know, it's not just about coming to church and attending, it's about going deeper with each other. What did Jesus want his church to look like? And are we focused on that goal? The book of Acts begins with the birth of the New Testament church. And it starts right after the day of Pentecost. And it culminates into 3,000 people getting saved or, or accepting Christ that day. And that was the launching pad of the church. What's, in, what's interesting about that is you have to remember, they didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. And so in order for the church to survive, for, in order for the church to be what, 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 what Jesus had, had described it to be, they had to, to start coming together. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Four things can build a church. They devoted themselves, first of all, to their leadership, because leadership is the covering, right? The pastors. To the teaching of God's word. and and to fellowship, to getting together. So we've got three things right there. Then to the the breaking of bread, which fellowship and breaking of bread, hopefully they go together. And then to pray, to pray for each other. The second thing you can write down in your notes is in order to build a, a strong community, you've got to be devoted to each other. I've got to be devoted to you, you've got to be devoted to me. And I think this is the part that we struggle with as individuals. Because there's people out there that are just hard to be devoted to, right? Somebody said amen. <laughs> we know we know your issues now. Just kidding. It's hard to be devoted to each other. When I do marriage counseling with people, I tell I tell them, look, there's two types of marriages. There's marriages that don't work and they end in divorce, and that's not what God wants. And then there's hard marriages. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, yeah, marriage is hard. And you need to know that going into it because it's not about the hardness of marriage. It's about being devoted to each other when it's hard. And church is the same way. It's about being devoted to each other when it's hard. Because we are flawed people who will hurt each other and say things, and miscommunicate, and get our feelings hurt over spilled milk all the time, and we have to, got to come to the place where we realize it's bigger than that, and we've got to be devoted to each other. So that means we forgive quickly, and we give forgiveness quickly when we're hurt. Why is this significant? Because it's part of being steadfast. It's a continuation. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's being um, under the teaching of the apostles, the, the, the fellowship. Verse 43 explains it this way, that the fear of God was apparent in every soul. And then verse 44 adds, adds this, all that believed were together. And have everything in common. Now, do we have everything in common? <laughs> no. But we can have Jesus in common. And we can have the vision of this church in common. We can have the heart to have grace and mercy for each other together. And to love each other despite it being hard sometimes. Acts 2.42 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In order for them to even function, I mean, they were... they were all in. I mean, I know some of you, I I know individuals in this church who have opened up their homes to families that are in between housing situations. That's the heart of God right there. I've I've seen that work in here. And somewhere along the lines, you know, we've gotten this concept of churches as kind of like a one day a week thing. Maybe two if you go to Wednesday Night Life. And we just kind of leave it at that. The early church met together every single day. Somehow. They made it a point. It was the most important thing. But church looks differently today than it did then. And this is just a snapshot of how the, the church started. I look at it today and I say, how, you know, how did we get to a place where we just think, you know, I need to put in my once a week time at the church and then go about my life the rest of six days, six and a half days? Where did it become normal for people just to get their spiritual growth on Sunday mornings when it was a daily thing with them? And breaking bread. Was actually about eating together and not just communion once a month. See, if we're going to build something beautiful here at Life Church, and you can write this down in your notes, it's going to take us getting out of our comfort zones. It's going to take us getting out of our comfort zones. How easy is it for us to build <laughs> kind of our own personal bubble? and our own way of doing things, and just keep doing that. Maybe I'm the only one. You know, I, I like my routine. You know, I, I'm an introvert by nature. And so it's something that I have to really force myself to do. But why do I force myself to do Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Because God's Word tells me to. It tells me to interact with the body of Christ. It tells me to be active and, and, and a part not to just be an island unto myself. And so, you know, as we're building this church and as we're getting ready to you know, go into this new season with with a new uh, senior pastor and we're getting ready to to launch life groups, can we just stop and just for a second say, you know what, we need to get out of our comfort zones because God is gonna stretch us in this season. And it's not gonna be uh, something that's bad. In fact, it's gonna be something that's good. It's gonna be something that propels you Into the next season of your life. It's going to be something that propels the gospel in this community. And it's going to be through you when you can get out of your comfort zone. The fourth thing I want you to write down is you need to understand our vision needs to be the same. Our vision needs to be the same. What happens when true believers remain under biblical teaching in spiritual fellowship and devotion and prayer? They're functioning the way the church is supposed to function. If this is about reaching people for the sake of Christ, if this is about reaching those who are lost and hurting, then it's up to us to function the way we're supposed to function in and through the church. This is God's vessel. Acts two forty three says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Awe. When I walk into this church, there's times when I'm filled with that sense of awe. This morning I went to the, the cafe, got a delicious latte. And I see, some, you know, I, I see everyone back there working and making coffee, and they're just functioning like it's like an ant farm, you know. They just know their role, you know, making drinks, taking the register. I'm just, and that was an awe moment for me. You got to remember, I've been gone for two years, so. And the cafe was there when I left, but I, it was just kind of like, oh, that's cool. You know, when I look at our outreaches that we just recently had, if you've been a part of the fellowship for you know, a couple of months, you know, we did a big backpack outreach, and we served the community. I mean, uh, I think over here ended up being a thousand, well over a thousand, you know, families that were impacted um, with backpacks, school supplies, groceries, haircuts, whatever the case was. We did the same thing in Tooele. It was a little bit smaller scale, but uh, I love just talking to people that are there and being like, um, tell me about your story, and, you know, what do you think? Is this something that that, that's benefited you. And, you know, I get the same response. This, ah. Oh, I can't believe this church does this. Ah. Oh. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, is the ah church. I don't want to be a part of the oh church. Like you walk in and you go, oh. But see, church doesn't function because of a pastor or worship or, you know, the look of a building, the location of a building, it functions because of you. You are the church. And we become the ah ah-church when we're committed to each other and devoted to each other. When we're encouraging each other towards Christ. When we're building each other up. When we're not letting... Silly little things hold us back or hurt us. We're functioning the way Christ intended. John thirteen, thirty-four says this A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, when we talk about reaching people for Christ, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, you know, oftentimes we, you know, we think, well, we gotta we gotta bring them to church because I don't know what to say. The pastor will know what to say. No, it doesn't have to be that way, it doesn't have to look like that. The world will know you're a disciple or a follower of Christ by the way you love each other right now. That speaks volumes. To the unbeliever. And this is what Jesus said. A new command I give. Love each other. And he repeats himself. You notice this. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So you love the way Christ loved you. Are you worthy of Christ's love and his forgiveness and his mercy? No. But he gave it to you. He gave it to you without strings attached. And so we too are called to do the same thing. Would you stand with me as we prepare to close this morning? Hopefully this was a challenging message for you personally, and on on your notes on the other side, there's some some things, uh, so a, a little personal challenge I, I laid out. I hope you take that to heart. I hope you take it with you home and you really think and pray about some of those things. For example, you know, how can I meet a new, someone new and make plans outside of Sunday services to grab coffee or, or lunch or maybe meet at the park with your kids? Go beyond the surface. The other one, how can I be committed to getting involved? You know, once a month we have a connection class that helps connect people into to different ministries. and Sometimes it can be a challenge because it is a commitment. But we're called to be committed to one another, right? The third thing is be committed to pray for one another. Hopefully you're praying for each other in this church daily. If you're not, I encourage you to start doing so. And then make joining a life group a goal. And this morning, you know, this message was just simply for us to take a step back and say, "How is this? how, how am I supposed to function personally in this church? Well, it starts with being committed to each other. Being committed to each other. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.